We have an amazing team that helps out each Sunday morning here. You see some of them up here on stage. You see some of them sitting beside you, and there's more of them working hard in rooms back there, working with the kids. Uh, and, of course, we have people doing technical stuff for us, Phil, here in the sound booth. And we're grateful that people are engaged in this congregation. I want to speak a message to you today that'll be a little bit different than the other ones that we've been doing in this uh, series on the Gospel of John. We've been saying that we will look at who Jesus is in each of these messages, and most of the time we take one aspect of who Jesus is, and we kind of dig into it fairly deeply, and, and we leave it at one item. Well, today we're going to look at 10 things others said about Jesus, all right? 10 things. So I'm going to give you a bit of a quick list. We'll walk through some scriptures together, and then, then we'll look at three of those that I think have particular impact upon us in our current context here today. So we'll look at these different passages. Um, Joel did a nice job of reminding us of one or two of them that you'll hear in here. So watch and see what you can compare in the two uh, ways that we're describing things. Uh, Let's take a look, though. We're going to walk through a couple of scriptures together. John chapter 1, verses 19 through 28 will be the first section that we'll look at. Now, you can follow along on the the passages will be up here on the screens beside me, or feel free to follow along in your phone, your iPad, your paper Bible. Anybody still have a paper Bible? Yeah, there we go. I see a few paper Bibles there. Um, Yeah, it's, it's one way of reading the Word of God. We also know we can read them online and uh, lots of different translations these days that we can use, right? So, but feel free to read along in uh, your, your Bible in whatever way that is helpful for you. Uh, I do have the Bible loaded into my iPad, just in case you're wondering. Let me read uh, John 1, 19 through 28. This was John's testimony when the Jewish leaders sent priests and temple assistants from Jerusalem to ask John. This is John the Baptist we're talking about. Who are you, they said. He came right out and he said, I am not the Messiah. Well then, who are you, they said. Are you Elijah? No, he replied. Are you the prophet we are expecting? No. Then who are you? We need an answer for those who sent us. What do you have to say about yourself? John the Baptist replied in the words of the prophet Isaiah, I am a voice shouting in the wilderness, clear the way for the Lord's coming. John the Baptist had much to say about who he wasn't. He It seems there was lots of confusion about him. Some were saying he was the Messiah, and he makes it clear he's not. Some were saying he was Elijah come back to life. Some were saying that he was the prophet they had been expecting. And John is clear to say that he's none of these things. But he says, I'm the voice shouting in the wilderness, clear the way for the Lord's coming. We'll talk about that word, the Lord's coming. We'll talk about... Lord here a little bit, and that'll be one of the key ones we will focus in on. 
But just for the moment, hang on to the fact that that John is speaking of the Lord, and he's going to make it clear who that Lord is here in the next few minutes. Let's read on. In verse 24, he says, Then the Pharisees, who had been sent, asked him, If you aren't the Messiah, or Elijah, or the prophet, what right do you have to baptize? John told them, I baptize with water, but right here in the crowd is someone you do not recognize. Though his ministry follows mine, I'm not even worthy to be his slave and untie the straps of his sandal. This encounter took place in Bethany, an area east of the Jordan River where John was baptizing. So John the Baptist makes it clear that among them is this Lord, this, he's going to come out and say it in a moment, this Messiah. There's someone amongst them that they're not yet recognizing. Let's keep going and see what, how John makes it more clear. John the Baptist goes on. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He is the one I was talking about when I said, A man is coming after me who is far greater than I am, for he existed long before me. I did not recognize him as the Messiah, but I've been baptizing with water so that he might be revealed to Israel. Then John testified, I saw the Holy Spirit descending like a dove from heaven and resting upon him. I didn't know he was the one, but when God sent me to baptize with water, he told me, the one on whom you see the Holy Spirit descend and rest is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I saw this happen, and so I testify that he is the chosen one of God. Okay, let's pause there for a moment. John the Baptist has already said that he's speaking of a voice cry. He's, he's the voice crying out in the wilderness for the Lord. Now he's going to say that Jesus is the Lamb of God, the Messiah, the, whole, the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit, and the chosen one of God. I said we'd get to about 10 here eventually. We're starting to, uh, many of them are spoken here by John the Baptist. We'll come back to John chapter 1 in a minute, but let's jump ahead to John chapter 3 where uh, John the Baptist says a couple more things about uh, Jesus. He says, He has come from above and is greater than anyone else. We are of the earth and we speak of earthly things. But he has come from heaven and is greater than anyone else. He testifies about what he has seen and heard, but how few believe what he tells them. Anyone who accepts his testimony can affirm that God is true, for he is sent by God. He speaks God's words, for God gives him the spirit without limit. The father loves his son and has put everything in his hands, and anyone who believes in God's son has eternal life. Anyone who doesn't obey the Son will never experience eternal life, but remains under God's angry judgment. So, let's pause there for a moment. We've, we've gone through a lot of different descriptions of, of Jesus. It's like the author of the gospel is trying to just overwhelm us with who this Jesus is. 
John, the writer of the gospel, is relying heavily upon what John the Baptist says about Jesus, but he wants, he wants to give us a big picture of who Jesus is. And we've got a list now that we could compile of about seven different things. He is Lord. Jesus is Lord. He is Lamb of God. He is Messiah. He is the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. He is the chosen one. He is sent by God and he gives eternal life. Lord, Lamb of God, Messiah, the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit, chosen one, sent by God, he gives eternal life. So about seven things that uh, John the Baptist says. We're going to look at Three more things, and then we're going to look at, some, at the importance of some of these. So let's jump back to John chapter 1, and we'll look at verses 35 through 51, but we won't read all of them. Uh, here we find some of the early disciples. So John the Baptist was out in the wilderness preparing the way for the Lord Jesus. And he had disciples that were there with him. And they were baptizing people to prepare for the way of, of the Lord, preparing for Jesus. And one of those disciples was a man by the name of Andrew. He was the brother of Simon Peter. And Andrew hears all that John the Baptist has said about Jesus. And he says, I'm going to follow Jesus. He's a disciple of John the Baptist. And he's following Jesus now. Andrew went to his brother, Simon, and told him, we have found the Messiah. This is in John chapter 1 at verse 41. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. This is picking it up at verse 43. And he found Philip and said to him, come follow me. Philip was from Bethsaida, Andrew and Peter's hometown. So Philip went to look for Nathanael and told him, we have found the very person Moses and the prophets wrote about. His name is Jesus. So, get the picture here. Um, and Phil, are those passages of Scripture in there? I think they might be. Let's just put them up on the screen there. Andrew begins following Jesus. He brings his brother along, Simon Peter. And Andrew says, we found the Messiah. And then Jesus comes along and says to Philip, I want you to follow me. Philip went to look for Nathanael and told him, we have found the very person Moses and the prophets wrote about. His name is Jesus. Finally, Nathanael comes into the story. And Nathanael says, can anything good come from Nazareth? Come and see for yourself, Philip replied. As they approached, Jesus said, now here is a genuine son of Israel, a man of complete integrity. How do you know about me, Nathanael asked. Jesus replied, I could see you under the fig tree before Philip found you. Then Nathanael exclaimed, Rabbi, you are the son of God, the king of Israel. All right, that's a lot of information, a lot of different names for Jesus. Let's pause for a moment. There's a list of 10 in the slides that I'm going to get Phil to find there for us. And we're going to look at that list of 10. Because many of these things that John the Baptist says about Jesus are about him being the Messiah. 
variations on the word Messiah, but there's the 10 there, Lord, Lamb of God, Messiah. He explicitly says, Jesus is the Messiah, the one that the Jews were waiting for. He says that he baptizes with the Holy Spirit. He's the chosen one. That is another term for the Messiah, the one who is chosen by God. He's sent by God, another messianic reference. He gives eternal life. He's the fulfiller of prophecy, another messianic term. He's the son of God. That was also the Messiah and the king of Israel, Messiah. So out of those 10 things, many of them refer to uh, the audience that John is speaking to. The Jews would be very familiar with the Messiah and the concepts of the Messiah. And they were waiting for the Messiah. So John, the gospel writer, says, this is him. He's making it clear. He's kind of overwhelming them with words that describe the Messiah. And he's saying, this is him. This is the guy. And then there's some other things thrown in there, like Lord and Lamb of God, and the one who gives eternal life. Those are the three we're, gonna, we're going to focus in on for the next few minutes, because those are descriptors that will help us understand this Messiah who has come to not only meet the needs of the Jewish people, but in our context, Jesus is the one who comes to rescue us now. Pastors, of course, love alliteration, so I'm going to give it to you in a fashion that you might remember for this afternoon. He is the Lamb of God, he is the life giver, and he is the Lord, all right? He's the Lamb of God, he is the life giver, and he is the Lord. The Lamb of God. When John speaks of the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world the Jewish people would have immediately in their mind thought of the Passover lamb. The Passover lamb was a lamb that was, was slaughtered and was slaughtered to take away the sins of the people. It was the, in the uh, time when the children of Israel escaped from Egypt, of course, the Passover lamb was the lamb whose blood was put on the doorway of their homes to indicate that they were following God and, the, and that the angel of death passed over them. Well, and ever since that time, the Jews had this concept of the Passover lamb, the lamb that was slain to take away their sins. So this would have been familiar to them. And, he res- and so what John is saying is Jesus now rescues us from sin and takes away the sins of the world. I remember when I was a 15-year-old boy, I had been raised in a home where Jesus was not spoken of very much, except maybe when the tools fell out of dad's hands and he did a little bit of complaining. And so I grew up in a home that was not really one where Jesus was followed, but I had some loving people in my life life, who took me to church with them. And I had some loving people at this church who taught me as a young boy what Jesus was about. And eventually, at the age of 15 years of age, I, be, I decided I wanted to step forward and make a public confession of faith and be baptized into a relationship with Jesus. I, I can still remember that day fairly clearly. We had to go to a different church down the road because our, we didn't have a baptistry in the church at that time. 
And so I remember being in this special baptismal service, and I went forward, and I, I said that I wanted to follow Jesus, and I was baptized into a relationship with Jesus. And I remember coming up out of the water and thinking, oh, I'm clean. All of my sins have been washed away. How long will I be able to stay sinless, was my next thought. I know that's a common thought for many people as they come out of the baptistry. They think, how long can I remain sinless? Well, it misses the point. As a 15-year-old boy, I kind of missed the point that all of my sins were being forgiven. Not just the sins I had committed, not just the sins from that day until now, but, and not just the sins I will commit in the future. All of it was being taken on by Jesus. Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He did it once and for all for us on the cross, and then he also helps us to overcome sin in our lives. But the point is, Jesus is that Lamb of God who, if we will turn to him, he will take away our sins. He will forgive all of our sins. So he is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Secondly, he is the life giver who gives us eternal life. John 3.36 says, Anyone who believes in God's Son has eternal life. Now, another kind of common misconception that I can remember kind of going through in my life, too, was I felt like I now had kind of fire insurance, right? After, being, after making a commitment to Jesus, I, was, I, was, I had fire insurance. I wasn't going to go to hell was the way I would think of it in my head, right? And that's okay to think of that, I suppose. But the point was, I was it was more than that, right? Life is about this life here on earth, and Jesus is our forgiver of sins here for the life on earth. And he's also the one who provides us with eternal life for the rest of our lives. The the Apostle Paul in the 1 Corinthians 15, 19 through 20 says, If our hope in Christ is only for this life, we are more to be pitied than anyone in the world. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. He is the first of the great harvest of all who have died. Jesus is raised from the dead. Therefore, we can count on being raised from the dead. So this life of faith is about both and. It's about this life here on earth and about living out a life of faith here. But it's also that we have eternal life with him forever. There must be more to life than just what we see here on earth, because many of us still know that we struggle in life. Uh, Becoming a follower of Jesus doesn't mean all of our troubles go away. Many live difficult lives. Many live lives that are filled with pain. And yet, we can have hope that there is a better life waiting for us as well. Thirdly, Not only is Jesus the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, not only is he the life giver who gives us eternal life, but he is Lord. I said that uh, John the Baptist makes it clear that Jesus is Lord. We see all through the New Testament that Jesus is Lord, and this is probably one of the simplest and most profound ways that people described who Jesus was. 
It's both a conviction that he is the Lord, and it's a commitment that he is Lord of our lives. It's a belief and a commitment. It means that Jesus has absolute authority over our lives, and that we seek to do what he wants us to do in this world. He is the Lamb of God who takes away our sins. He is the one who gives us eternal life. We have that hope of eternal life because of him. When we leave this world, we can have hope of eternal life. And he is Lord. In the early church, that was the kind of confession they asked people to have. Do you believe that Jesus is Lord? And on the basis of their conviction and confession, they would be baptized into a relationship with Jesus. Maybe that's, we have an audience that's online and we have an audience here in the room. Maybe that's something that you've never actually had to wrestle with before. Have you made that decision to make Jesus Lord of your life? Have you asked him to be the Lamb of God who takes away the sins in your life? Have you allowed him to give you hope of eternal life? Have you made him Lord of your life? Perhaps that's something you haven't done. Uh, we encourage you to, if this, was, if this was 30 years ago, we might have an altar call, but we don't do those sorts of things anymore. But if you have those sorts of questions about who Jesus is and would like to make a confession of faith and would like to be in a relationship with Jesus, we encourage you to speak to myself or Pastor Tamil. We encourage you to talk to one of our elders. We encourage you to have that relationship with Jesus of him being your Lamb of God, your giver of life, and your Lord. For many of us, that's a decision we made many years ago. For me, that was when I was 15 years old I made that decision. And for many of you, it might be back that far in your history as well. Today might be a day to just look at that day that you became a follower of Jesus once again and to say, I remember that day. I remember the day when I became a follower of Jesus. He became the lamb who took away my sins. He became the one that I hoped for eternal life in. And he became Lord of my life. And I've been walking with him ever since. Now most of us would say it's been ups and downs in that time. But go back to that first day, that first love, and rejoice in that. And remember how Jesus came into your life that day. I encourage you to spend some time this week thinking upon these things of how Jesus is the Lamb of God, he is the giver of life, and he is Lord of our lives. Would you pray with me? Father, for many of us, it was a long time ago that we made a commitment to you. And yet, for many of us, it's still fresh in our minds that day that we said, yes, I do want to follow Jesus. I want to follow him all the days of, our, of my life. And God, we know that sometimes that's a, there are ups and downs in that journey. There are sins that continually need to be confessed and forgiven. There are difficulties in life where we question what's going on in this world. There's pain, there's suffering. 
And yet, God, you have promised that through Jesus, we can have forgiveness of sins, we can have eternal life, and he can be Lord of our lives. May that be our prayer and our commitment this day. In Jesus' name, amen.